Jesus' name, dear friends, we meditate this morning upon both the Old Testament lesson and the Gospel, Nehemiah chapter 8 and Luke chapter 4. These readings for the third Sunday after Epiphany would have us consider the question, how will we respond to God's Word? We're presented with two examples of people responding to the Word. One group responds positively, the other, not so much. So this morning we'll consider each of these examples and then reflect on our own response to the Word. In short, which group will we be? The first lesson instructs us about the situation in Jerusalem after the return from exile in Babylon. There in Babylon, Nehemiah was in the king's service and he had heard a report about the progress back home. It wasn't good. The city wall had been torn down. Everything was still in ruins. The people were despondent. Nehemiah was discouraged. He asked the king for permission to return. His people needed a leader. Under Nehemiah's direction, though not without difficulty, the city wall was rebuilt, the people were organized, and things gradually began to improve. Then came one of the appointed festivals to the Lord when all Israel assembled before the Lord to worship. Ezra, the priest, assembles all the people and reads to them from the book of the law. He reads to them God's Word. He read from early morning until midday, and all the people listened attentively for hours. They were enamored by what they were hearing. It's like they simply couldn't get enough. They stood out of respect for the Lord and His Word. They bowed their heads in humility and honor. They shouted their amens, their yeses, in acceptance of the truth it contained. And so glad were they to hear the Lord's Word once again that they were moved even to tears. Tears of sorrow over their sin and rebellion that had caused their exile and the removal of the Lord's Word from among them, and tears of joy that the Lord had kept His promise to restore them and to speak His Word once again. That's quite a response to the Word. A proper response, I dare say. In the Gospel, We hear of a man standing before an assembly and reading from the Word of God, and the response is quite different. Jesus goes to Nazareth to preach in his home church. We love it when the sons of our congregation who've entered the ministry or are preparing for it come home and preach to us. The people of Nazareth, it seemed, did too. As Jesus was handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, he read the appointed lesson. 
the part about the Spirit of the Lord being upon him and the preaching of good news to the poor and the year of the Lord's favor. Then he declares to them just exactly what this means, saying, Today, this Scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. They were amazed. Isn't this wonderful? Local boy done good. Way to go, Jesus. They were so proud. But then Jesus explains to them just exactly what this means. Not what they were expecting. Because they haven't just heard the word. The word is standing there before them. The incarnate word. And no prophet is without honor except in his hometown. They were indeed proud of Joseph's son. And they marveled at the gracious words that came from his mouth. But they couldn't accept that Joseph's son was really God's son. They received the written word from the page of Isaiah, but the word incarnate from the right hand of the Father, him they rejected and wanted to kill. In his presence, they should have stood enamored for hours on end, weeping tears of joy that Messiah had finally come, bowing their heads in worship and shouting their amens. But instead of enamored, they were enraged. They drove him out of town and tried to throw him off a cliff. And he did no mighty work there, no great sign in order that they might believe. The word had been despised, so the word departed from them. Well, that too is quite a response to the word, but not a proper one. The pairing up of these two texts on this day inspires us to compare these two scenes and these two responses. It forces us to consider our own lives and our own response to God's Word, to answer the questions, what is a proper response? And how do I respond? The Catechism answers this question for us in the explanation of the Third Commandment. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching and His Word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. As God's people who've been redeemed in Christ, we don't openly or viciously despise God's Word. For the most part, we have a very sincere love and appreciation for it. But there are still ways in which our sinful nature still rears its ugly head 
How many of these kinds of statements have you heard before? How many of them have you perhaps even said or thought yourself? We've heard it all before. Every time we go to church, every sermon, it's the same old thing. When are they ever going to tell us something we don't already know? I'm just so tired. Sunday is really the only day I have to myself. My only real opportunity to catch up on the sleep I've missed throughout the week. I just don't really feel very uplifted when I go to church. I mean, I should feel leaving better about myself, but I usually just end up feeling worse. I don't need to be involved in Bible study. I know the Bible well enough. What do all of those names and dates and places have to do with my life? They're just meaningless details, boring lectures. The list goes on and on. You can probably come up with others that you've heard or used. And Did you catch that little detail from the Nehemiah passage that Ezra read from early morning until midday? We get awfully nervous when church lasts much more than an hour, half a day? Well, that just seems like overkill, doesn't it? If you have the opportunity sometime, ask one of our African brothers or sisters what worship is like back home. See what they say. That might be a very eye-opening conversation. All of these are just different ways, most of them subtle and unintentional, others more overt and very much intentional, but all different ways of despising God's Word. To be sure, we don't come right out and try to throw Jesus off a cliff, but we have our own methods and reasons for pushing Him away, for cutting ourselves off from Him and what He comes to accomplish for us. He comes to bring liberty to those in captivity, the favor of the Lord to those who've denied Him, and all of our other excuses and priorities just get in His way. They prevent Him from doing His work. Preserve us from this, dear Father in heaven. May our response, rather, be that of the returned exiles who heard the Lord's Word gladly and eagerly and couldn't get enough of it. May we, too, recognize what God is doing in and through His Word because we aren't just reading and hearing the Word. We are in the Word's very presence. The Word incarnate from the right hand of the Father, Jesus is here in this place, delivering to you the freedom and the healing and the comfort that He proclaimed. 
He is here forgiving all of your sins in His word of absolution. He is here putting your sin to death and raising you to new life with Himself in His watery word of baptism. He is here in His own flesh and blood as a pledge and seal of salvation in His sacramental word of Holy Communion. How can we do other than stand in awe when in the presence of that Word? How can we not desire with all our being to be where He is, to sing His praises and shout our amens, to bow in humble adoration? How can we not be moved to tears of sorrow at the word of His law and to tears of joy at the word of His gospel? How can we not desire to stay in this place, in His presence, not just for an hour or even half a day, but forever? God grant that we respond so positively to His Word, to Jesus, that nothing would prevent us either from hearing it or from receiving Him. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.